You're listening to the Hillspring Church audio podcast. Hillspring exists so that all people can find and embrace a life of faith through Christ. For more information or to get involved, visit us on the web at hillspringchurch.org. Well, if you've been around for uh, the past few weeks, you know that we've been talking about uh, what it means to walk in the way of love. Walk in the way of love. Living our lives uh, in a way that is shaped by the love of God. In the last series on 1 John, we learned that God had revealed himself through Jesus. And because of Jesus, we've come to know that God is love. That God is love. But not only is he love but the true nature of love, we learned through Christ, is self-sacrifice. Because Christ gave his life up in love to show his love to us. He gave up his life to forgive us from sins. Therefore, as John explained, if we claim then to know God, if we claim to have fellowship with God, which is what the church claims, right? If we claim to know God and claim to have fellowship with God, then we must also love as we have been loved. Otherwise, our claim is false. Not, that doesn't mean that if we don't love, then God isn't who he has shown himself to be, but rather our claim to know him is false if our lives aren't shaped by the love of God. Now, this doesn't mean that we are perfect, but it does mean that we must grow in the way of love by looking to Christ daily to lead us in the way of love in every area of our lives. And that's the purpose of this series is to explore you know, how the love of God is meant to shape the details of our lives. And we've looked at a couple of different ways so far. And what we're discussing today is how the way of love should shape the way Christian people relate to the government's authority. How Christian people, how the way of love should shape the way that we as followers of Christ relate to those in authority. You know, what does it look like to live as a follower of Christ? Well, living under governmental systems that often contradict or even oppose our morals or convictions. At some point in your life, you will find yourself living under a government that makes decisions that you don't agree with. I don't know if you picked up on that in the church and in the world over the last couple of years. And I'm not going to make a bunch of political statements this morning. What does it mean? At some point in your life, you're going to find yourself living under governmental systems that make decisions that you don't agree with. And likely even decisions that you feel oppose your faith, that oppose your moral convictions. And so this could mean the laws on abortion, you know, the definition of marriage, tax policies, school curriculums. Uh, these are just a few things, a few big, you know, Struggles that believers face when it comes to living under governmental authorities. You know, how do we relate to governments who make decisions that we may feel oppose our moral convictions? The question is this this morning. What does it mean to walk in the way of love under authority that doesn't support the values of the kingdom of God or even opposes them? And this is a relevant topic because the way that the church around the world has responded to the government throughout COVID, the COVID pandemic, to be honest, has been disappointing at times. The way that the church has expressed itself at times has been disappointing. And I'm not talking about Hillspring. I'm actually really proud of you guys. I am. 
I'm really proud of the way that I've seen you guys relate and, and wrestle through these issues over the past couple of years. But many other ways that the church has responded to the government that I think we will see this morning don't line up with the love that we're called to have in our lives. So what does it mean to walk in the way of love under authority that doesn't support the values of the kingdom of God? Well, we're going to take a look this morning. And to explore this together, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 13. And if you have it, let's just bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you that you loved us even though we don't deserve it. We thank you that you're faithful to us. We thank you that you've shown us the way of love through your son. You've called us to embrace it and live our lives to the full as examples of your love in this world. And so God, we humbly come to you again this morning and we ask that you would speak to us by your spirit and you would challenge us, God, to be people who allow your love to shape every detail of our lives. God, even in this area, we pray in your name. Amen. First, I I want to point out that I don't think that the world and the government is any worse today than it has been historically. You know, sometimes I think we think, oh, no, the government's just going downhill and our world is just, it's just an absolute mess. And the world, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's not good in our world. But I don't know that I would say it's worse today than it ever has been. I don't believe that it's more difficult to live as a follower of Christ today than before. And in the first century, when this was written, the Israelites were living under Roman rule. And Rome was a society that worshipped pagan gods, indulged in practices which strongly contradicted Israelite and Christian morality. The emperor himself uh, was called Lord and Savior, even though Christians knew that, that Jesus himself was the only Lord and Savior. The emperor was recognized as a god, even though the Israelites knew that there was only one God, the creator of heaven and earth. Israelites at any point could be forced into labor by a Roman soldier who could just stop them and force them to carry their their gear for a Roman mile, which is about one and a half kilometers. The Israelites had to pay taxes to the Roman government, which had taken control of their nation. And stood against the things of God in so many ways. And so you can imagine how frustrating that would be for the Israelites to live under that type of authority. Under authority who stood for things that they just saw as downright evil. And who took advantage of them as citizens. And even forced them to contribute their finances to a government that they feel felt had, well, who had overtaken them. Yet even while living under such harsh conditions, under authorities that challenged their morals and devalued them as people, listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians living in Rome, the epicenter of the Roman government, beginning at verse 1. Paul wrote, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear? Or sorry, 
yeah, do you want to be free from, the, from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. Thankfully, our rulers do not bear the sword. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is why also you pay taxes to the, for the authorities or God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Well, that's quite a passage, isn't it? Can you imagine receiving those words, you know, living at the time that they were under the authority that they were living? Paul said, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. To be subject means to show value and respect. And so some have taken this passage and argued that it doesn't mean obedience. But it seems pretty clear as Paul goes on that he's calling people not to rebel against what the government has instituted, which seems like obedience to me. On the other hand, people have taken this passage and said, you need to do this is this, you know, it says you must do everything, and it and it's turned into a law that you know what, you have to do everything that the government says. And Paul provides three reasons. First, Paul says, For there's no authority except that which God has established. How do you feel about recognizing that even what you see as corrupt authority has been established by God? That's a hard one to take in, isn't it? How, how would you like to hear that if your nation was attacked and the Romans took over your nation and then you were received a letter from the Apostle Paul saying submit to the authorities you know, they've been established by God himself this is about us understanding the sovereignty of God and that any authority in place is only in place because God allows it there's no authority as corrupt as they seem that, that has gotten into that place unless God has allowed it to be, which causes many theological questions. But throughout history, God allowed many good and bad leaders to rise to power. You may be familiar with names such as Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh, uh, the number of different Caesars, emperors of the Roman Empire, not to mention other people through history since the first century, right? So does God cause evil to happen in the world? Does he intentionally want people to be evil in the world and puts them in place? Not exactly. In the hearts of humanity, we know are evil. We know that, as we said in the last couple of weeks, that the mindset of our world is self-interested. And at times, God has allowed the world to raise up leaders that represent its own mindset. Why would he do that? Well, we don't always know for sure. But we do know through scripture that sometimes in the Bible, God allowed certain leaders to rise to power as punishment for his people's unfaithfulness to him. And essentially what that was, was a lesson of, okay, this is what life will be like apart from me. So if you don't want me to be your leader, if you don't want me to rule, then I will allow a human representative to take over and you will learn what it's like to live in a world that is ruled by the human mindset. Sometimes it might be a test to see how we live as 
followers of Christ in a world that's opposed to him, will we remain faithful? We don't always know why, though, so we have to be slow to try and explain away every time we live under authority that appears to conflict with the morality of God. We don't always know why. But we do need to keep in mind that God is the one who allows people to rise to power. And even though there may be people in authority whose ways are corrupt, they are still held accountable by God as well, as all the leaders that he allowed in place were held accountable. But what Paul is saying here is that we need to live with an understanding that God is ultimately in control. Christianity is not losing when there's a corrupt leader in place. We don't need to fight for God. God has things under control. His kingdom will reign in the end. And evil will be held accountable. And in the meantime, we must trust him. Now, we must also recognize that in this situation, it's not actually the government that is doing the wrong here. You know, if we just read one sentence at a time in Scripture, then it's like, you know what, submit to the governing authorities. But it's actually not the governing authorities that are the example of disobedience here. The second reason Paul provides for showing value and respect to authorities is to avoid punishment. To avoid punishment He says, if you rebel against the government, you will be punished, and rightly so. Their role is to keep order. And it seems that Paul is indicating that this, in this situation, it's the believers here who are doing wrong, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And then the third thing he says, the third reason for submitting to the authorities is for conscience sake. In other words, because it's the right thing to do as a follower of Christ. And we'll bring it together with that in a second as well. So is it really saying that we must do everything And obey everything that the government says. Well, we need to be careful when reading texts like these. Particularly how we read them. What do I mean by that? Often, as we read through the New Testament, people read sentences as laws. So we look through the New Testament and we see a sentence and we say, it's in the word of God, so it's a law now. Need I remind you that we are not under the law. And the purpose of the New Testament was actually to describe life under the spirit of Christ. It's a spirit of love and trying to explain what that looks like in our lives. But often people tend to read everything in the Bible as a universal command, as if every sentence in the Bible is a specific command that must be applied to everything in life. Now, I'm not teaching, uh, you know, relativism here. Okay. So stay with me. But we read it as if every sentence in the New Testament is a specific command that has to be applied to everything in life. And in this case, the universal command approach would lead one to believe that the church must always do what the government says, whether or not those things align with godly morals or not. And you might in your heart say, well, something doesn't seem right about that, but we have to have good rationale for not doing so if that's how we feel. But these letters, the letters in the New Testament, they address specific issues in the church and taken out of context can become problemsome. So imagine this with me for a second. Imagine your son or daughter is at a boarding school, so they're away from you. And you receive a report that they're being, they don't like their teacher. They don't think that their teacher's treating them fairly. And so they are rebelling against their teacher. They're, they're speaking disrespectfully to their teacher. They're not going to class anymore. In fact, they're stirring up rebellion amongst the other students, getting other students to skip because they just don't like their teacher. And imagine you writing back to that student saying, listen, 
you need to show respect to your teacher. You may not agree with them. You may not like your teacher, but you need to show honor and respect to your teacher. And you still need to go to class and do what is right. (laughs) Spoken from a teacher. If someone got a hold of a copy of that letter, that doesn't mean you're telling every child in the world that they need to do every single thing a teacher says. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so to people who uh, are rebellious against the government, Paul is writing a letter saying, wait a second, this is not the way to act as Christians. And in this situation, the Israelites were actually known for stirring up rebellion. They were extremely resistant to all outside authority, and they had stirred up a number of rebellions, and there was a greater rebellion that was about to take place within the next 10 years of this time's writing, which resulted in great persecution for the church and for the Jewish people. And so Paul was calling them to stop being disrespectful and rebellious because these actions and these attitudes were reflecting poorly on the character of Christ. Said Paul was explaining that to walk in the way of love means that they must always treat authority with respect and value, even when they disagree, even if they see corruption in those who are in authority. And this is the spirit of what Paul was saying, and this is exactly how he concludes these verses. So now that we're thinking about it that way, let's see what he says to end off this thought. In verse 8, he says, Let no debt remain outstanding except what? Except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. It's all about love, shaping the way we live in this world as followers of Christ. Now, to support this, there's other texts that say this in a similar manner. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil. So don't just say, you know what, I don't agree morally with what's going on now, so I will do what I want, and I will stir up rebellion and start slandering authorities. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And one more time, Titus 3, verses 1 to 2. Remind the people, again, these are letters, reminding people how to behave properly as followers of Christ, walking in the way of love. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle towards everyone. So I think as we read through this, it becomes clear that Paul is bringing correction to the church in the way that they're responding to authority that they may not agree with. To walk in the way of love means that we must always treat authority with value and respect even when we disagree. And this is important because everything we do as followers of Christ in this world is a reflection of the character of God. And so when we start to slander a government authority on social media or when we're in conversations around a table, tear people down, we're reflecting poorly on the love of God because God is loving and he shows value to you and I. He's shown value to all people. Even when we are corrupt, he continues to love us 
and to attribute value to us to the point that he was willing to give his life up for us on the cross. So then the next logical question, though, is then, does this mean that we must do everything the government says, even when it conflicts with our morals? Well, thankfully, (laughs) the Bible is full of examples of civil disobedience. In the book of Exodus, when ordered to, when the Pharaoh ordered uh, the um, midwives to kill all of the male babies that were born to the Israelites, did they listen to Pharaoh and do what they were told? No, they didn't, right? They refused to do so, and as a result, Scripture says that God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, God gave them families of their own. God blessed them, even though they were disobedient to their instructions from authority. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow down to a golden statue of the king. And as a result, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. We're familiar with the story, right? Thankfully, God saved them from the fire. Upon, uh, discovering, upon discovering a plot to annihilate the Jewish people, Esther, she broke a law, approaching the king when she wasn't allowed to do so, putting her own life at risk to seek justice. And thankfully, in that situation, God used her and spared the Jewish people. Peter and John refused to stop preaching the gospel in the book of Acts. And in the end, though, according to church tradition, most of them were killed for their faith. But not everyone who is faithful to God did everything that the authorities told them to do. Over and over again, we find examples of people who, when faced faced with the choice between obeying the government or following their moral obligation to God, they choose God. But what is notable, and this is what's important to understand here, what's notable is that in each of these cases, the people who even disobeyed were extremely respectful to the authorities. And in the process, they they treated them with value and respect, and they willingly paid the price themselves for their convictions. And read the story of Daniel. The whole time he's, he's speaking so honorably to the king, even though he's getting thrown into a lion's den, right? And this is the main point this morning, that to walk in the way of love. To walk in the way of love means that we always show value and respect to authorities, and we willingly pay the price if we ever must disobey for moral reasons. To walk in the way of love means that we always show value and respect to authorities and willingly pay the price if we ever must disobey for moral reasons. So if you have a moral conviction not to do something, then follow that moral conviction and be willing to pay the price for it. So you know what? I believe in this so much that I will pay whatever cost is necessary for me to do so. It's not about fighting for power. It's, you know what? I will respect authorities and if I must disobey, I will do so, and I'll pay the price. This attitude should change the way we communicate about government officials in in conversations, on social media. We need to be a people who reflect the love of God in everything, whose words are are a life-giving, whose words show value and respect to people. It doesn't mean we have to agree with everything that people say in authority. 
And students, the same principles apply to you guys in school. And this applies to you as a student living under the authority of your teachers. It's the same thing, no matter what authority you're living under, that whether we agree or disagree, whether you agree or disagree, as followers of Christ, the way of love leads us to show value and respect to all people. And then pay the price if we have to disobey for moral reasons. The kingdom of God isn't about fighting for our ways to be the government. We are going to live in a world that is led by human self-interest. It's not going away anytime soon. If, if anything, it's the, the, the suffering of living in that world that should lead us to say, Christ, come and establish your kingdom. But in the meantime, we know what is right and we're called to live in a way that is right even when we live under authorities that don't reflect the values of our kingdom. It's about living as people governed by the love of Christ no matter what human authority we find ourselves living under. And it may even mean at times that we must disagree, but even then, we must maintain love for those in authority and be willing to pay the price that's required when we have to disobey.